Hi there, welcome to an episode of an Inside View podcast in association with On The Ball Team Building. I'm your host, Jamie Finn. If this is your first time listening, please do go back to episode one and have a listen. If you haven't done so already, please do click subscribe. There is a business or sports person in each of us, and we hope that our guest stories will help our listeners to chase their dreams. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 59 of an Inside View podcast with On The Ball Team Building. Before we go any further, we'd like to give a big shout out to GRG Sports and Fintry Harbour Asset Management for the continued support. We really appreciate it guys. This week we're delighted to be joined by former Bohemians and current Sacramento Republic centre-back Dan Casey. At the age of 23, with over 100 appearances in the League of Ireland, Casey decided to join the California Bayside earlier this year. Between his time at Sunderland, playing in the League of Ireland, these Dublin derbies and the move to Sacramento Republic, we have a huge amount to cover, so let's bring him on. Hi Dan, welcome to the Inside View podcast, how are you keeping? Hi, Jamie. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm uh, keeping well. Thank God. Um, as we're recording this now, you're after a couple of hours session. It's um, it's lunchtime over there, isn't it? Yeah, it's different to Ireland anyway. Uh, it's midday now. Just finished training this morning. And now just to rest and recover now for the rest of the day. You, you have the rest of the day off, have you? Yeah. So uh, we, we get in early in the mornings because it's quite hot. So we, we start our training's nine o'clock and we're finished by 11 and then we have our lunch there and then sort of rest and recover for the rest of the day. Oh, good, good, good. And what's it, like, what would be a normal normal week over there? Like, it, it is full-time, isn't it? Or am we just, it is full-time, yeah. yeah not, not, you know, it's full-time, yeah. So uh, normal week we would start, obviously Monday would come in, we train on a Monday, nine o'clock. We'll be, we'll be out in the pitch. We do our active recovery for the players that play on a Saturday. And then for the lads who haven't played, they do a proper training session. Then on Tuesday, we do a team session at nine o'clock. We'd have gym straight after at about 12. And then we'll be off for the evening. Wednesday would be similar. We do training in the morning. And then you do sort of maybe, you might do a bit of stretching in the in midday around 12 o'clock after your training. Thursday, um, we depending on what day our games are, it would either be Wednesday or Thursday, we'd have off. So maybe if we had a game on a Sunday, it'd be Thursday off and then we'd be in Friday, Saturday. Saturday would be a day of travel. So because over here, it's not like we're playing in Ireland. Like most of the, I think every fixture we play, apart from Oakland, which would be the closest, we'd have to fly. So it's a lot of traveling. Like it's it's not like in Ireland where you're playing, there's four teams in Dublin and it's a 10 minute, 10 minute trip in a car to the away stadium. It's quite, it's quite a, it's quite a lot of travel to be fair. But uh, no, it's, it's good. Uh, you're seeing a lot of the country. We only play in the west coast, so I'm seeing San Diego, uh, LA, all of like probably the nicest, some of the nicest parts of America, which is very lucky. And the weather over here, it speaks for itself. Really, it's 30, 30 mid thirties every day nearly. So it's different to Ireland, all right. But uh, no, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's going good. It's good and. You're over there, so probably about six months, are you? When you went over in January, was it? I went over February. That was a bit of a disaster because I had to go to Poland for two weeks because I couldn't get my visa from Ireland. Ireland weren't allowing visas to go to the States. So I went to Poland for two weeks. I got my visa there and then went straight from Poland to America. And I was in, I've been here for five months. And that must have been like, was it stressful, you know, traveling to another country? And, and did you have to um, apply for the visa there or did you, could you do it in Ireland? The club all sorted that for me. So I think I arrived in Poland on a Tuesday night and I had my visa appointment at nine o'clock on the Wednesday morning. And then they obviously keep your passport. So they had my passport for a couple of days and it took, a, it took about 10, 11 days for it all to like be completed. And then I got a flight from, Poland went to Germany, Germany to America, and then I've I've just been here since. Jeez, happy days! No, it's uh, you were lucky to to get out of Ireland because it's you know it's kind of stop start since then really. Yeah, it's it it was it was difficult because obviously I left and Ireland was coming good at Christmas and obviously they had the the rise again in cases and the country went back into lockdown. So I thought it wouldn't have been a problem from getting a visa from Ireland, but obviously I was lucky that Poland, I could go through Poland to go that way because 
I know a few lads, like one of the lads on my ghost team, he was supposed to go to college and he couldn't get his visa in time. So he's going, he's only going over in this September. So he, he missed the whole semester just because he couldn't get the visa, which was frustrating. And I was lucky that I, I could go through Poland and fairness to the club, they were great for sorting that out. Jeez, yeah, I know you were, definitely. And like when you landed over there, um, like to date, what has been the biggest adjustments? How, how have you find it, found it? Um, the time difference was tough. Um, obviously, we're eight hours ahead here. So, like, just talking to family and friends, it's fine in the mornings until midday, till about two or three when everyone starts to go to bed. Over here, it's it, you still have the rest of the day. So that, that was tough at the start because obviously you didn't know a lot of people here and you couldn't really chat to anyone because nobody was up. So that, that was tough and getting used to that. With the, obviously, when you're sleeping patterns a bit all over the place at first. But uh, no, it was... Apart from that, I think obviously the heat now, it's hot in the summer, it's a lot hotter than it would be in Ireland, which I've sort of adapted to, not too bad, because I actually like I like like warm weather. That that's not a problem for me really. But uh yeah, I'd say the time difference was the, the hardest part. And is there still kind of protocols in place, you know, coming and uh, going and, and coming from training and, and going to games around COVID over there? There's a small bit, but not half as much as there was at the start. Like I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. I've been fully vaccinated for six weeks now, so I've been vaccinated a while. And a lot of the, I think ninety percent of the people on my team are vaccinated. There's a couple of boys that didn't want to get the vaccine, so they haven't been vaccinated. But uh, yeah, no, it's we get tested. I think once every two weeks, um, and I think that's going to stop soon. I don't think we actually need to get tested anymore. Um, I mean, in fairness to America, they're flying with this. Uh, a lot of people, they're, they're handing out the vaccines. Like, nobody's business. It's going out. Everyone's getting done, which is good. And there's, there's I, obviously, the, it is still a big thing here, COVID, but it's not half as big as it seems in other countries. Can you bring us back through the past 15 months, I suppose, you know, prior, prior to, to moving over to America? Um you know, you're with Bose. What was that time like, you would say, when COVID kicked in? Um, yeah, that was difficult. Uh, it was difficult for everyone, though. I think as a footballer, we're lucky because we could still do our jobs to an extent, as in mm-hmm. train hard and just be ready, doing our running and stuff, which was good. And we did a lot of Zoom sessions and it was brilliant at Bose because there was a lot of, an awful lot of uh, effort put in by the strength and conditioning coaches by our manager, our coaches, everyone was, we did a lot of Zoom sessions. They kept us busy, which was good, and kept us mentally right, which was good as well, because a lot of people struggled mentally in uh, COVID, COVID times, because nobody really knew what was going on. Um, people weren't able to do their job. So just in general, they they dealt with it brilliantly. And obviously we got back to training, small side of training after a couple of months, and we were ready because we were working hard working hard by ourselves and it sort of showed because we kicked on when we got back and that's a credit to the coaches and the amount of time and effort they put in for us to do our sessions and it sort of it helped us for the rest of the season I suppose and bowls are they're um, kind of semi-professional is it or is it very much it, it's semi-professional but it's it's professional mainly every day and it's the evenings instead of the mornings so a lot of lads and parents, they have jobs as well. So they'd be, I don't, some of them, I don't know how they do it because like some days I'd be knackered from training and they're going out to work a job during the day. I didn't work another job. I just, I'd play football full time. But, but like some of the lads, I don't know how they do it. They're, they're saints for doing it. <laughs> like they're working nine to five jobs, going straight to training. And I'd take it out of you, but I think they, they're happy with how they're doing it. And Bose obviously facilitate them to do that as well that way. So the way the way it works, it's it suits everyone, I think. So it, it's a good it's it, it's it's full time, but labelled part time, I feel. And how did you deal with lockdown? Do you know, personally, and you know, I suppose from a psychological perspective. Um, it was tough. Um, to be honest, though, I liked it because I come from a big family. I've got four younger sisters and a younger brother. And my mum and dad in the house. It was it was a busy house, but like that, so that was entertaining. There was there was a lot of uh, a lot of family fights, but all 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 well and good. Um, but no, it was it was it was difficult for everyone, I suppose. Not getting out. Uh, it was tough to see my girlfriend. At the, so like everything was everything was tough. Um, 
But uh, no, I, I have a I have a great family. I'm lucky luckily enough to have and I've got good friends as well. So I was I was playing a lot of PlayStation with my mates. Uh, I saw my girlfriend when I could and just I sort of kept myself busy with training. So I I felt it could have been it, some people dealt with it differently. Um, obviously because they couldn't do as much as I could. But uh, no, I I don't think it was I didn't think it was too bad. But uh, obviously it wasn't ideal for anyone. I suppose you know looking back, what takeaways would you have from that you know that time? Because you know, look, all of us were just you know living in a fast-paced environment before COVID, and it forced us to kind of you know wind back and and relax and sit down and kind of bust things in, into perspective, didn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like uh, the little things you probably wouldn't you would take for granted, even just going to train. <laughs> you couldn't go to train and. Um, one of the shops nearly you couldn't even go to the shops like it was just it was just a mad mad time for everyone and hopefully we're coming at the right end of it now yeah hopefully hopefully then when I was looking into your um, you know into your career like it's it's hard to believe you're still only 23 like is, you know is, is the birth start right there or is that what's going on with you? <laughs> <laughs> no no yeah no I've been yeah it's been it's been busy Um, obviously I went away when I was 15 which was quite young Um. It's definitely helped me, I feel. I had to grow up very quickly when you're going away from home at fifteen. Um but no, it's it's been it's been eventful, all right, and I've enjoyed it and hopefully long may I continue. Let's delve into that because I, I think it's uh, I think it's important because you know, I, I know a lot of people, a lot of young lads that go over, you know, they go to the UK after after the Kennedy Cup, usually uh, that's kind of the time they go. Um <sighs> I believe, does it take a lot of mental resilience to kind of stay over there? Is the homesickness, would that be the hardest, really, at that definitely, age? Definitely, yeah, 100%. And I think you're at that age where uh, your friends are a huge, huge part of your life and you see them going out and you feel like you're missing out on so much. But when you get older, you just realise it wasn't that big of a deal, not going out to, I don't know, going out with your mates on a Friday and Saturday night. But at the time, it feels like it's... It's the world. So uh, that was tough. That was tough. But I, I lived with a lad who was in the same boat as me, James Talbot, who was from Dublin. Who, me and him became like brothers through that all because we were going through the same thing. And that definitely helped me. And I was lucky enough to have somebody there with me. Um, so, yeah, no, that, that was a huge help, I feel. Like, can you remember what that feeling is? Because I, like, I'd imagine when you went away, you know, when you moved over to California those feelings probably came up again because you're you know you're obviously going to miss home some bit. Yeah, definitely. Um I feel it was a lot easier moving over to California, obviously because I've done it before. Mm-hmm. Um if I hadn't done it before, I think it would have been a lot tougher. Don't don't get me wrong, like there's still some days where I do feel homesick and some days are worse than others. But uh no I'm I'm definitely better prepared this time than I was the first time, obviously because I've done it before. How did your parents have time when they were when you were younger? You're captain of St. Joseph's, uh, the football team, you played with Kula, and you were handy enough at the, the rugby as well. It was busy, it was very busy. <laughs> uh, yeah, my parents, my parents, my parents, the same. Uh, I owed them, I owed them everything because they told me, I think it could be on a Saturday morning, I, I would have a rugby match for the school. Then, I, my mum or dad, whoever was, would have came, they would have brought me my lunch. I would have been going from, this happens midweek as well, maybe this could be on a Tuesday night, I'd go from my rugby match to straight to a Gaelic match. I'd be eating in the car, getting changed in the car. I'd still have muck on my knees from the, from the game. I'd be going to play another match. I'd get home, the next day I'm going to play another game. So there was no recovery back then for me. It was just <laughs> games, games, games. But uh no, I listen. I I wouldn't have changed anything, and I'm just forever grateful for my parents for driving me around and took up a lot of their time as well. Which, like, even I think I trained every day of the week. So they, like, my dad was working; he was coming home, dropped me up to train, and collecting me. So yeah, no, I'm forever grateful for all they've done for me. And you know, I, I'm just trying to put myself in your position when you're over in you know Sunderland, which we'll delve into a bit more in a few minutes, but. You were over there. You were hanging off at the football as well, because I believe you were on Dublin under sixteen panel, weren't you? Um, yeah, yeah. I played. I played a good bit under. I played. I played a good few games for Dublin underage. 
and I played a, I played after my school in rugby. So like I, I they were all it was it was very enjoyable because I played with my mates, I made so many friends from other other sports. So making a decision to go soccer was tough. Um obviously my family my family, one side of my family would have been a rugby side of the family and then one side it would have been a Gaelic side. So I don't know, where soccer game, there was football just it was just it was just there since it was my first love really since I, I think I started playing when I was four. And I just I think it always I always when I was a kid I dreamed of playing in the premiership and it was always fo- it was always football. I don't know. It just always had the, the priority I feel and I, at the end of the day I picked it and that was that probably had a effect on me when I was younger I'd say. Do you have any, any regrets when you were over sitting inside in the house in Sunderland and watching Dublin starting yeah, to steamroll every, no. every club? <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah, no, listen, I, I, I get asked this question a bit and uh, no, I've no regrets at all. And like, I, there's, there's nobody, like I, I could have stayed on the Gaelic path and I might not have nowhere near got to the dubs or went down the rugby path and I couldn't have got near Lens there or whatever. But uh yeah, no, I, I, I get this, like my friends slag me about this question. Like, you wish you still playing Gaelic, you wish you still playing rugby. I don't, because I picked this. This was my decision at the end of the day. And obviously, you look at the All Ireland final and you're thinking, oh my God, that'd be great to play in that. Or you look watching Ireland playing the rugby and you're like, imagine you could play in that. Um, but these are all ifs. Um, who's to say I could have gone back and I might never have got to that standard? So I'm happy with how I went. I'm, 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 enjoying my football career and hopefully I can keep going and go to the highest level possible Well you've grown up with Conor Callum would he be the same age or was he a bit older he was a year older I'd be good mates with his brother but um, I played with him up in Kula because you play obviously you play mixing, the ages mix up a bit and uh, I played with him growing up and yeah he's he's flying now anyway he's, yeah, he's doing very well some baller, yeah. oh my god, unbelievable! Yeah. And hurling yeah. as well, he's class at hurling as well. Yeah, that, that family, the family is a very talented family, very talented family. Uh, Jesus, and I, out of curiosity, because I know your your grandfather played with Ireland um, back in maybe mid fifties. Could be a, I might have dates a bit wrong, but he played against uh, England in Twickenham. You know, were you ever kind of swayed down the the rugby route because of that? Like, uh no, my family are very good. They always, oh, yeah. they always, they always said, "Whatever you want to do, we'll fully back you." And you obviously you get a bit of slagging. And my granddad, he showed me all his jerseys he wore. And as a kid, you're in awe of this stuff. You're like, "This is crazy," and whatever. But uh, no, I don't think that. Like, I think if he probably would have loved me playing rugby, but he never, he never really. He said, he says it to me as a joke, but he never really like. It was never forced upon me to take this decision. They were always very good, and they always backed whatever decision I made, which was which was definitely helpful. Good, good, no, definitely, definitely. Um, I love asking people this now. Do you think that experiences of your youth shaped you into the person you are today? If so, how? Yeah, one hundred percent. Obviously, moving away at a young age, you have to sort mm-hmm. of grow up quickly. Um, and playing lots of sports. Um, it's 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 brilliant. I can't advise it anymore for. I think all, all children sh- children should, should play as much sports as possible. Um, yeah, and then make a decision when needs be. Um, when you get old enough where you have to go down from, um, then you have to go that path. But uh, yeah, no, it definitely did. It, uh, all different, there's the respect of some sports, the discipline. There's all there's all different stuff. And uh, yeah, it definitely shaped me to who I am today, I think. Looking back now, what skills would you say that you learned or you know you took from playing Gaelic and rugby that benefits you or does benefit you on the on the soccer field. Yeah, uh this is the this, we gonna have a joke on my mates about this. Definitely the my aggressive side came from rugby, I think, and my <laughs> my athletic side came from Gaelic. And obviously you take different things. So like if you're jumping for a high ball in Gaelic, it's the same for headers or you're going into a tackle on football, it's the same as going into tackle on rugby. So you take different things and different sports help in different ways. So uh, yeah, now I think there's little things from all sports that you can learn, and they all sort of help you. Hopefully, get to wherever path you want to go at the end. I saw that was John Egan said it before, and you know, playing playing Gaelic, you know, you go you go you go abroad into say England, you're a bit more aggressive. You know, you you you're used to using your body. You know how to use your body a bit more. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. And then if you got rugby added into that as well, so uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it's uh, it, it, it's brilliant. Um, I can't advise it as much like my little brother who's he's so young now. He's 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 starting to get into all different. He's playing football at the minute. He's playing Gaelic. He's playing hurling, and I, I I'm delighted to see him playing as much sports as possible because I, I for my kids hopefully they'll do the same and. It's it's brilliant because uh, you definitely just learn so much from all different sports. Yeah, no, definitely from, from you know personal development perspective for the kids and you know it's making friends and teamwork and communication skills. Um, it, it is definitely yeah. definitely very important. Um, this is gas. Like I remember watching this at the time, but the Pinioni dropped when I was researching again there a couple of days ago. You were a bit of a celebrity back in uh, 2014. <laughs> yeah, God, I still got slagged today about this, but uh, yeah, no, it was it was great. It was like, yeah, it's football scholars. It was at the time I was actually I was going to England quite a lot for trials, um, and uh, Satanta Sports at the time filmed a documentary called Football Scholars and had a different people. I had uh, John Egan, he was involved. Um, another one of my friends, Graham Kelly. Um, there was a lot of people involved. It was just it was going through like different stages of football scholarships. So obviously, getting one in the middle of one and finishing up one. So it was a good show. It was a very good show. Uh, mm-hmm. I was in the first episode, and I was a bit mad as a as a fourteen fifty year old lad having camera crew following you around coming into the house. It was a bit surreal to be honest. Uh, and I get a bit of slagging off my mates for it, but uh, no, it's <laughs> it's uh, it was good. I, I enjoyed it, and it was funny watching it when. You sort of felt like a little celebrity at the time. It was good. I enjoyed it. How did like how did that opportunity come about? Did they just pick you, or was it something you kind of applied for? No, no, they picked me. I didn't. I, to be honest, I wouldn't. I would never have applied for it because just I didn't have the time. Uh, and it came through. They obviously got in contact, and I, I think Joey's rang me and I said, "Listen, they're interested in doing this." And me and my family were like, "Is I don't know, should we do this?" And we just. We decided to do it in the end, and uh, no, it was good. It was, it's funny. It's still recorded in the house, so uh, whoever wants to laugh, I'd uh, bring my mates and watch it and have a have a laugh with it anyway. It was very interesting. Um, I actually rewatched it as well when I was doing the research, and um, very very interesting. Like it's, it it gave a great insight into, you know, even your mindset back then. You know, you know what you needed to do. You did it. And for some, look, you, you came across in the camera, you weren't nervous at all. Maybe you were. To be honest, I'd been to, that was, I'd, I'd gone on so many trials at the time. Um, I sort of, I didn't get used to it, but uh, I knew what was going on. So it was a lot easier and Sunderland were very good to me. And it was very welcoming. They were very welcoming. I'd been there so many times. It was sort of just, it wasn't another day, but it, it sort of felt like I'd done this before. I know what I need to do and I sort of mentally was ready because I wanted to be a footballer and I knew that straight away so I had to do the business when I got there and at a young age I had in fairness to my my mom and my mom and dad were very good with me and they said they told me listen if you if you want to get this you have to do the business here and they didn't say it and like they said it in a very positive way to me like go and go and do your thing basically and I went over I, I did well and luckily enough I got a contract and I, you know when did that kind of you know, when did the scouting start for you? Was it the Kennedy Cup or was it actually kind of before that? Yeah, no, the Kennedy Cup was the first time um, I got scouted. I went on trials after that. I went to, there was three clubs. I went to Liverpool, um, Celtic, Leicester, Wolves and Sunderland. And it ended up coming down to Leicester, Sunderland and Wolves. They were the three clubs that offered me contracts. And that was a tough decision, um, obviously, because you're at a young age, you've got three great football clubs offering your contracts. And uh, I ended up going with Sunderland. Um, I was most comfortable there. Uh, I was happy with everything that was in place for me there. And uh, I, I went there for four years and you can have a laugh like Wolves and Leicester now in the Premiership and Sunderland in League One. But Sunderland were the only t- team in Premiership at the time. So it's it's crazy how football, football goes, like things change a lot. So you're laughing now, like Leicester went on to be champions, the Premiership, premiership champions, and now some in their League One, but I'm sure they'll be back. But uh, it's just, it's it's football, yeah, it's mad. But yeah, in fairness, at the time, I think at the time, maybe it was before, but definitely around that time, um, Sunderland were kind of known to have a good enough academy. 
they have a great academy and the facilities over there are incredible. They're just out of this world, to be honest. They've got pools, so many pitches. The pitches are perfect. They're like carpets. Um, the building itself, uh, you're training with first team lads that are beside you. So that's it. it shows how good it is. Um, they've got like two, three gyms. It's brilliant. It's, it's crazy good. What was your time like there? I, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I learned pretty much a lot of a lot of stuff. Um, obviously got better technically. Um, it sort of it being away from home. I think that sort of was the biggest part. It sort of I grew up very fast. I sort of turned into a man there. Sort of I had to because mm-hmm. being young, going over to live by yourself, you sort of. You're in the big bad world now. Do you get me? And uh, yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, I would have loved to continue on there, but it wasn't to be. And then I came back to Bowes, and that was probably the best thing that could have happened to me. Yeah, it's, b- b- before you came back to Bowes, was there an option to stay in Sunderland, or was there options other places in in the UK? No, I, I um, Sunderland had just been relegated, and I got called in. The, my contract was up that week at the last week of the season and to be honest it was 50-50 whether I would have got a new contract but obviously with them getting relegated they weren't really offering as much contracts as they would have if they stayed up mm-hmm. so I sort of knew when they got relegated there wasn't a possibility that I wouldn't be staying on and with that happening they told, they pulled me into the office and they said listen thanks thanks for the four years but we don't we don't see you being part of our plans for the future and obviously uh, as a young lad, it's tough to take. I think you can sort of, it can go one or two ways for you. And straight away, I came out, I was obviously upset, but the next day I said, well, listen, I'm going to have to go prove them wrong now. So that was my mentality. I said, yeah, I have to go back. You can go one or two ways because you see so many lads coming back from England and just giving up and just packing it in really. But uh, I, I made sure that I wasn't, wasn't going to be one of those guys. I said, listen, this is this will make you stronger. And hopefully you can sort of prove them wrong in a way in a couple of years. And I'm so happy that I, I went back to Bowes because there was, there was a, I was going on, I went to Sheffield Wednesday, I went to Colchester. I was going on trials a lot. And when you're going on trials, it's sort of difficult because they're getting so many lads in from all over the country. And like, you might have a good game, but they get another guy in and he might have a good game. And it's just it's just a sort of a process. So I felt I could come home to Ireland. I could sort of start again and go from there. And obviously the League of Ireland is a great standard. And I was lucky enough that uh, I knew Keith Long from my time at Joey's. Um, he's, he sort of knew me as well, which was good. So it actually didn't happen that way. I was training with Bray. I was going to sign for Bray, but Bray were having financial troubles. I was with Bray as soon as I came back. So I literally came back I took two weeks off on the straight in training with Bray. I was very close to signing for Bray, but Bray had financial troubles, so they couldn't offer me a contract. And Keith obviously Keith actually didn't know I'd came back from England. Uh he thought I was still there. So he was shocked to hear I came back. He took me in, I played a game with them and they offered me a contract the next day. So I signed for Bowes in the end. Um yeah, so that sort of went from there. That went very well for you, didn't it? The way it kind of worked yeah. out. It worked out brilliantly. Um yeah, I'm very grateful that Keith Keith's brilliant like that. In fairness, he sort of he gets the lads who came back from England, and you've seen so many lads. He's sort of given opportunities, and he like a lot of lads have done well from, which is good. But he's definitely great, Keith and Trevor, for that matter. Like they're both brilliant at uh, sort of getting you to love football again, and then teaching you a lot of stuff. Like I learned some, I probably learned more with Bose than I did in my four years in Sunderland, which is crazy. Why would that be? Is just because it's kind of more personal touch, is it? No, it's I personally I think men's football you can't replicate because uh, underage I played countless games for under 18s, 23s, and I played I thought I played very well in a lot of them. And but it's just different when you get into the men's environment. People are trying to put food on the table for their families, and it's it's serious. Um, um, you can't replicate that. I don't think it's it, it's like it matters a lot more when you play like men's football to when you don't. So yeah, it's just that was probably the biggest change. And initially, it was I I played. I didn't actually. It took me a while to break it. I played the first game and then I sort of got an injury, 
took me a while to break back into the team. But then I sort of, once I got up and running, I think Keith and Trevor definitely helped me. So like, at first, obviously I played my debut, I think it was on Finn Harps. I did quite well. I got injury against Derry the next game. And I then I was getting back fit. I couldn't break into the team. And then I sort of, towards the end of the season, I did quite well. And then it just filtered into the next season. And I sort of went on from there. And at the same time, you were doing a college course, were you? I was, yes, I did a, I did a personal training in fairness to the PFAI. They sorted that out. They sorted that out for me. Uh, they sort of got a scholarship system in place for me, which was brilliant. That kept me busy. And obviously with always being not part-time, but training in the evenings, I could study during the day, which was brilliant. And I haven't actually, haven't actually uh, used the qualifications I have Luckily enough, I haven't had to use them, but uh, it's brilliant that I have that. So I, I could like uh, at the time I was very interested in the gym, and the PFI were great to sort that out for me. And I went, I did a course with Savannah College, which is a very good college, mm-hmm. and that was brilliant. Uh, I had that to lean back on, which was good because I did, I did college in England, which is I did, uh, um, basically the equivalent of A levels. Uh, I did extra education. You have to go through an education system over there. So I had I had a bit, but I obviously wanted to get more education because well, when my with what I had, it couldn't get me into college straight away. So I had to do a bit more. So I was always sort of looking. My my mum and dad are good like that. They were like, "Listen, you have to have your education. You have to be ready because you don't know what you could get an injury, touch wood, I don't. But like anything can happen. So uh, yeah, it's just it, that was brilliant that I had that and sort of weirdly enough it sort of takes your mind off football a bit which is good because you're like this you're 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 training in the evenings but you've got your college in the day which was which was great and I enjoyed that um and yeah so that's sort of that happened where in Dublin were you doing that that that, uh, that, that, that was online so mm-hmm. that was actually yeah that was online it was based in Tipperary so I have to go to Tipperary twice uh twice a month and Keith was good with me. I went I think it was Saturdays so I played on Fridays which was good so I could just go on the Saturday and I go there probably. I think it was maybe it might have been once a month. Oh, and but it was grand. Yeah, you're lucky though, in fairness, because you know you see a lot of young guys going over, and you know education would be a, it wouldn't be a priority. And unfortunately, when they come back, then they're kind of left with nothing. You know, if they come back maybe two or three years later. Um, but it, you're lucky that your parents were adamant that you get some bit of education. Oh yeah, that was part of them letting me go. To be honest, uh, they said, "Listen." We, we obviously we would love you to go but you have to keep that up if you don't like like your education is probably the most important thing and I'm glad they did that so for me doing extra education over there is brilliant and lucky enough I haven't had to fall back on that just yet but uh, I will like everyone's going to have to like football career only lasts so long mm-hmm. so uh, I'll definitely look for topping up my qualifications as the years go on and uh, hopefully when I'm done football I'll be able to get a job happy and easy enough I think there is a new. I'm not at the time when Brexit happened. There was supposed to be legislation put into place that, or they were saying that Irish young lads couldn't go over until they're about 17, 18. I think it's eighteen, maybe. Um, do you think that's a good thing? It's different. It's tough. Like, like, it's, tough. it's tough. Um, you ask a fifteen-year-old lad if he wants to go over, he's you're only going to get one answer of him. Uh, so. Personally, my experience, I enjoyed every every time. But you look at these lads who go through the League of Ireland and they get over it and they go straight into the first teams, which is probably a better way of doing it. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think if you give give the fifteen or sixteen year old lad an opportunity to go and play in England, he's only going to give you one answer. I think so. It's different for every person. I think. Um, you're with Sunderland for four years. Lads you you would play with or you know would have grew up with there. Where they know a lot of them, I know instead of going through all of them, but roughly where where have a lot of them went? Um yeah, so I played with um James Talbot would be my probably my best pal over there. Uh we were we were we lived with each other for four years, so we're very close and we're still close, very very close now. He's playing with followers right now, so it's funny. Uh, I, he came back from England the year after I me and he signed for Bowes the year I went to Cork but I went back obviously played with him last year which was great to play with him again because I played with him for four years um, that was that was funny but uh, I played with him and the, probably 
obviously John Egan was there at the time. He's flying. He's playing. He was playing for Sheffield in the Premiership this year, and he's his career's kicked on like crazy. He's doing. He's doing great. Um, there was a boy on my team called Josh Maja. He was on loan at Fulham this year, mm-hmm. in the Premiership. Uh, he's probably from my age. He's probably the lad who's doing the best at the minute. There's a few lads still playing over there. There's a couple of boys all over Europe. But uh, yeah, he'd probably be doing the best. You returned to Ireland, didn't you? We spoke about, you know, you went back to to Boz. Um Did you feel as if, you know, you failed over there because you're returning home? Because you know the way Irish people are. Oh, he's coming home now. He, he must have, you know, he's um, not they are like. Yeah, yeah, you get that, that persona is there and the stigma of you coming home and uh, you didn't make it over there. But as I said before, it made me more hungry. Uh, I was determined to prove people wrong. And I don't think people sort of give the League of Ireland enough credit that it deserves. Like, it's a very good standard league. And mm. You can see from the boys you've gone through the league and they're doing quite well for themselves now in other leagues. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I sort of, I had the mentality that I was going to, I was going to sort of prove people wrong that, I'm going back to Ireland. I'm going to do well in Ireland and go from there. Yeah, they are, in fairness, over the last two or three years, they, you know, they've been flying. A lot of players haven't over to the UK and they're doing brilliant. Um, we did, we Jamie Jamie McGraw on one of the first episodes of of this podcast over a year ago, and you know he was just after joining St. Mirren at the time, and you know he's in the Irish squad now, so it's it's great to see stories like that. Hey, Jamie, yeah, I I'd be friends with Jamie, and he's flying now. He's he's obviously made his Irish debut there over in Andorra which was great and you see him he was with Dundalk for years and goes over to Scotland and he's done unbelievable this year he's one of the best players in the league so it definitely it shows the league is a very good standard and I don't think people give it the credit it deserves no, definitely 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 and you you were with Bowles and then you joined Cork and you went back to Bowles like why did you join Cork because you were playing with Bowles like you knew uh, very well yeah, no, yeah, no. We we had a great season. I think we we lost the Cork in the semi final replay, which was tough to take. Um, yeah, I I just decided to go to Cork. Cork were the biggest team in the country. I think at the time it was between them and Dundalk every year for the league. Wow. Um, they were flying. John Caulf- John Caulfield got on to me, and John Caulfield's a great manager. And it was something different. I'd been up over for a year. I was living at home. I sort of said, if I go out here and give it a real, because Cork, I told, I was thought I was signing for a team that was going to really compete. Little did I know, we went the other way around. Foes were nearly win the league, and uh, we we were just mid table team, so it was it was different. But that's football. Like you take these at the time, it was full time football, training every day. I thought I could get better, and it definitely did help me. Um, training every day down there, I it, as much as it wasn't a year that we thought we could have done, like we could have gone obviously done a better season. I thought personally it was a good year for me. I played played in Europe that year. I played pretty much every game in the league it was it was a good it was a good year personally and it definitely made me stronger and how do you how do you find Cork because the accent can be difficult enough to understand never mind the Kerry accent, the accent, the yeah. accent. <laughs> yeah no it, it was grand I, I really I enjoyed it I lived with I lived in a, a house with a couple of the lads we had a good crack in the house which was good um yeah no I I thought Cork was I really enjoyed Cork actually uh, I, thought, I thought it was a very nice place Everyone was very nice to me down there. So that was good. Um, obviously, I got a bit of slagging from being Dublin, but that's the Dublin and Cork rivalry. That's always going to be there, I think. But uh, no, listen, it was good. It was good. It was good. Oh, I lived in Dublin for, for two years. Um, obviously, still be there only for COVID. And I always wanted to go to Bowes game. And never mind the Bowes game, but Bowes and Shamrock Rovers. But ideally, just the Bowes game, because I just think the whole club is, is amazing and which I want to get into in, in a couple of minutes but can you bring us through the you know what's that atmosphere and the rivalry like above there between Bowes and Shamrock Rovers and Bowes and, and Pats yeah it's a it's a huge rivalry to be honest it's very big uh, the best way of describing it it's like a, it's like a jungle it's, on a derby <laughs> night it's just god you don't know where to look uh, there's flares going off on one side of the stand, flares going off on the other. It's it's you feel like a proper player that night. Um, if you can't get up for that night, I don't think you can get up for any game of football. To be honest, uh, but no, it's great. Like I, I was lucky, we had a lot of, especially my first season at Bowes. I don't think I think we played six games and we won six games in a row. It was crazy. Um, yeah, so we went we went on a great run against them. 
and obviously we only played we only played them twice last year. It was different behind closed doors. Um, it wasn't the same. Obviously, it was still a derby, and there was still a bit of bite to the game. But without the fans, it was just it wasn't it wasn't the same at all. You have a good enough record against them. Two goals you scored uh, in in uh, the opening game on in the opening game of the season, two thousand eighteen. Must have been an unbelievable yeah. experience. That was that was a great night. Yeah, that was uh, that was probably one of the best nights I've had in football. Uh, that was great. Yeah, was your really free bar me. after. No, no, no. We had a game. We had a game the next week. So uh, no, just as well because I think we'd still be there now if it was. <laughs> um, oh. No, that's uh, that's not that's class. No, because you know it's it always you know it's it's hard for people outside of the, the capital to really understand the rivalry. But if you're living up there, it's it's a uh, it's something special. Though, in fairness, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's great. Um, it's brilliant for the league as well because. I think there is there is other there's a lot of rivalries in the league. You've got obviously the Dundalk and Cork rivalry for years that was going on. You have Finn Harps and Sligo, which is like close enough to be another derby. Then Derry and Finn Harps. You've got all all sorts of derbies. But uh, I think for sure the Dublin the Dublin Shamrock Rovers and Bowes is the biggest. And I think everyone sort of looks at it if that was on the first game of the season. I think a lot most viewers would be watching that game. What is it about about Bowes? You know, they seem to be, you know, from the outside looking in, they seem to be a very close, united club, you know, rather than a business, if you know what I mean. You know, they're, yeah, maybe just the marketing over the last couple of years changed. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a people's club. Um, they say it's a people's club. It really is the people's club, though, because I think they had, they had a, they had a stage where they paid lads crazy money and, Obviously, things didn't go well for them. They nearly went bankrupt. But the people, the, the the fans, the supporters got them through that tough time. And I think they just they decided that they wanted to sort of not let that happen again. And they haven't. It's a it's a fan-owned club. Uh, and the way it's going, it's brilliant. They they look after the community. They do great work. And it sort of shows in the club. The, the club's always in the news for the right reasons, which is mm-hmm. great. It helps the area. And yeah, I can't speak highly enough for the people doing work behind the scenes there. I only remember this now actually as you were talking, but I was out in Dublin one night and uh, I don't know where I was, but then anyway, I was talking with a taxi driver on the way home and um and maybe I was going over towards Bow somewhere and he was telling me, yeah, that you know, obviously I was after moving off from Kerry, so I didn't clue what was going on up there, but uh he was saying, Yeah, Bose is you know on the brink of of actually collapsing. This is a couple of years ago. Um but then Fast forward three or four years later, Matt Doherty said, happy days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that definitely helped him anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's, uh, it, as I said before, football's a mad sport. And I think Matt Doherty wasn't really playing for balls and he only goes over and now he's playing for Tottenham in the Premiership. So, so I was like, it's just, it's just, it's uncomparable football. I don't think any other sports like that. Yeah, it, it seems that if, um, I, I is his name Declan Lambert? Is that the guy, the marketing manager? And... Uh, Daniel Lambert. Daniel Lambert, yeah. He seems to yeah. have changed things a lot, in fairness. Yeah, he's 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 brilliant there. He does so much work behind the scenes. And he's just, he's, I remember even just, just before I came over here at Christmas, he was working with Vincent DePaul, giving out the presents for children who... Parents probably couldn't afford the present at the time, which is just a little thing. Like, that was the most thing that I, I had dealing with him. And just the stuff he does, is it's brilliant. And obviously, I think you even saw their jerseys mm-hmm. like last year with the Refugees Welcome. It's just, it's a very good club. Like they do the right thing. And for obviously seeing with the Super League degree that is in football, when you look at, when you look at Bows, it's quite refreshing to see that they're they're in it for the right reasons. It's something like it actually out of all the jerseys in the League of Ireland, um, it the Bose one always seems to be in the media, and it's absolutely amazing. I think maybe it's because of the time they did the um Bob Marley is it is Bob Marley that was in the yeah 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 I'm telling you now yeah listen because. Obviously, it's a fan. It's a fan-owned club, and they're trying to make as much money as they can any other way. And if, if they're selling these jerseys that everyone wants, everyone wants to buy, it's a great piece of marketing. 
and you have to look at it that way. So yeah, it's, it's fair to use to them. Yeah, no, in fairness, their jerseys are really, really nice. I must uh, must get one over for my, my travels. So that's something I must, <laughs> I must Yeah, get. there you go, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I'd like to get, get inside into, you know, you're, you're in the League of Ireland for three, you know, three and a half years. Um, when you're on the match day squad, you'd have started 80%, 86% of the games during that period. Um, you were flying. What, you know, made you to make the leap across the pond? across a good bit across the pond to, to california <laughs> a big a big pond anyway uh <laughs> yeah no it, it was uh it was a bit mad to be honest um because i was chatting with my agent at the time and i just felt it was the right time for me to move um whether that was going to be in england or scotland or wherever it was and this came up and i chatted to my family about it and uh i just decided it was it was a move that I couldn't say no to. Um, a club that was looking great, um, great ambition to go into the MLS, playing in the USL, which is a great sound. It. Uh, it was it was it was a change. of scene for me something different. And obviously, you see everyone trying to get into the, going through England, work the way up to the Premiership, which is which is unbelievable. But I sort of said, listen, I can maybe try a different way, try a different route, and see what happens from this. And I decided to go over to California to play for Sacramento. Would it be the plan to stay over there, you know, for the foreseeable, or do you think, you know, would you like to kind of get back to Ireland and, and the UK eventually? I'm going to be honest with you right now. I have no idea what's what the future has for me. I just want to get on with this season, do well this season, and see what happens from there, really. No, that's fair enough. It's what, look, it's very hard to, to yeah. predict or, or to commit to anything during COVID as well. You just don't know what's around the corner. The season could be called yeah, off, you never know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah listen, it's just... I think I've always lived by this way. If you do the business on the pitch, uh, everything sort of takes care of itself off the pitch. So if I do well this year, who knows where I could be? I could go anywhere. So that's all. That's how I sort of I think anyway. Yeah, kind of control the control was in it. Yeah. So like, if you play well, like if anyone play, if you play well, you're always going to have options. But if you if you don't play well, the options get smaller. So yeah, I think it's sort of if I do if I do the business on the pitch, I'm sure everything will take care of itself. You've been playing with, um, you know, with Sacramento Republic, and just recently there, you you played against uh, Phoenix Rising. You scored your first goal. How did it feel to kind of, we say, get that monkey off your back because you have a powerful header? Oh my god, I was looking at YouTube and the the, the goals you've been scoring was unbelievable. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, no, I've been yeah, so I've got a few anyway, but uh, it was yeah, it was annoying because obviously we lost the game, so the goal doesn't really stick in the memory as well as it should because mm-hmm. obviously when you score a goal it's supposed to be great but to be honest it didn't it didn't because we didn't win the game but uh, it was nice to get a goal we played the stadiums are nearly full now again there was nearly 10,000 at the match so the atmosphere was brilliant scoring a goal is always nice but uh, unfortunately it wasn't a goal that sort of helped us helped us get a win which is the bigger and more important part of the game so I don't know hopefully we can get a goal next time and we can go on a win and that one will, that one will live longer in the memory I think no, exactly, exactly. No, definitely, definitely. Um, I, I, you know, it must be difficult at the moment. You know, when you can't get the, the, you know, can't just get over the line, and obviously that filters down in the team morale and all that is is low. But hopefully that will turn in the not too distant future. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, we've got a game. We're playing San Diego this Saturday. So hopefully, if we go, if we get a win there, we're gone from there, and then just take one game at a time because it's different over here. It's the playoff system. So the top four of the league will go into a playoff. So it's not like you have to win the league. It's you get into the top four and then it goes to the knockout stage. So it's different. That's the different part. And there's no relegations uh, here or promotions. So just sort of you want to get into the playoffs and then sort of like a, a cup, cup competition after that, which is interesting. I've never experienced something like that. Uh, obviously, I played in cups and I played in leagues, but like this is like two and one really. So uh yeah, it'll be entertaining. Um, so hopefully we can go on a nice run now to the end of the season and then go from there and do well in the playoffs and see what happens. And I think it's the case in the in the MLS, but it might be as well in, in the USL. USL, isn't it? Is that USL, yeah, yeah. USL, yeah. Um, That's the USL championship, yeah. Yeah, would your conference play the, the other conference as well then? Is that the way it works out? We will... So... 
the top there's a this year it's been different because the top there's eight teams in our league. The top four of the eight will go into playoffs, and then they'll play against. They see there's four conferences, and you win your conference, you play against another conference, and then and I think how it normally works is the West plays against the East in a conference final to see who's the overall champion. Oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so it, it it's a bit different this year with COVID, but it'll still be the same sort of outcome. Two best teams in each in each side of the country will play in the final, and then whoever wins that will be the champions. What has been the the biggest challenge, you know, moving over to Sacramento? Uh, the time difference, for sure. Um, it's eight hours ahead, so you've got the evenings where you're finished training, you've done your, you've had your dinner, and you're just chilling, watching the telly or whatever, and you've got nobody to chat to because it's three or four in the morning and everyone at home is asleep. But uh, that was obviously at the start that was harder, but now I've got. I've got used to my surroundings. I go play a good bit of golf, so that keeps me busy. I chat to the lads and stuff like that. So it's it, it's fine now. But at the start, when I moved over at first, that was tough. Uh, now I'd say the new the new biggest challenge is the heat. Like some days it's getting up to forty degrees. Jeez. So it's it's crazy it's crazy heat over here. I don't think people know how hot it is, but uh, yeah, it's 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 crazy heat. Uh, I, I like I like the warm weather, but this this weather is very warm. So uh, it's 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 different. It's it's difficult when you're you're playing in it, but uh, we try nice and early in the mornings to avoid the heat, which is good. So uh, yeah, no, that's I'd say the heat's probably the biggest the biggest difficulty at the minute. Is there any more Irish with the club? I think there's two guys from Cork, is there? Yeah, yeah. There's uh, the Conor Conor He's a uh, he's a Cork man. So uh, we have a bit of we have a laugh at that. The Dublin Cork rivalry is a bit still there anyway. So <laughs> we have a bit of joking and slagging, and the manager is from Wolves. Uh, so th- so those lads have been very good with me. They've helped me, so they know with the time difference and like that. So and we can, we 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 chat about after the Premiership's on. We chat about that, and we haven't uh, the All Ireland hasn't started yet. But when the All Ireland happens, uh, me and Colin will have a laugh. I think we'll have a bit of joking and slagging but uh, I got a good slagging on the, the manager when Ireland beat uh, England in the rugby so that was a that was a good one to have on <laughs> oh that's good no, at least at least stuff like that's kind of making you know feel more kind of homely and things like that it, it, it's helping with the whole situation yeah def- definitely yeah I think that's that's uh, sort of, it sort of gets rid of the homesickness a bit having a bit of a laugh at what's going on back home anyway then do you practice any visualisation or or um yeah, visualization of goal setting and stuff like that. Um, I have obviously goals. I don't do visualization to be honest. Um, it works for other people. I just haven't. It just wouldn't be for me. I don't think. But uh, no, I definitely have goals. Um, I chat to my my family about my goals, where I want to be, and how I want to do it. But uh, I sort of take one game at a time. Is is my obviously first goal and for every game. So I sort of just I deal with every game differently. If it's uh, whoever I'm playing. Um, whether I'm playing against a big striker, I know what I have to do, or I'm just playing against a small striker. It's sort of all games are different and who you're playing as well. But uh, yeah, so obviously I, I have my I have my mentality for every game is the same. But dealing with different players, you sort of have to prepare differently. But uh, no, yeah. So I think sort of I don't visualize, but I definitely uh, have goal setting. Would you kind of visualize any bit in your head about possible plays? Uh yeah, I I talked about we talk tactics and what what could happen, but uh, they'd be done during the week and how maybe other teams play and what what other strikers like to do. I have to sort of look at video and stuff stuff like that so I know what's going to happen in a, in a game. But uh, yeah, no, I obviously there's a small bit of visualization, but it wouldn't be it wouldn't be big for me. I don't think. To date, who has been the biggest biggest influence on your career? Uh, my parents I'd say yeah my parents would be, I wouldn't probably be where I am if it wasn't for them because they took me to all the trainings Um, obviously the coaches I had growing up were all brilliant Um, my coaches in Ireland coaches in Sunderland everyone obviously the coaches here they've been a huge help but if it wasn't for my parents I wouldn't be here I don't think it's probably a hard question though for you to answer um, because you know you're still so young in your career but I'm not retiring you because I've said this to people before and it sounds like <laughs> I'm retiring retiring them like yeah, but yeah, yeah. 
you know, when football, you know, when your football soccer career comes to an end, what do you think you'd like to do? Or like, yeah, what do you think you'd like to do? Um, it's hard to tell, really. Like, I it's it's it, it's tough. Yeah, it is a tough question. Um, I definitely want to continue to get as much education as I can under my belt before I retire, so that'll give me more options. Um, I don't know. Maybe I sort of. I, I could tell you something now and then two weeks time it could be different so there's a few options there's a few things I have in my head but like nothing concrete I just want to make sure I get as much education I can under my belt and that would just make the options a lot easier What have you learned so far in your career like, I, I find it crazy asking your career when you're still only 23 like but uh, you know it's, I suppose especially from living away from home that I think it's probably important for for younger guys to to take you know You've been true. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I've. I'd say the the discipline aspect, um, because you're living by yourself, you're cooking your own meals. Uh, obviously, you've got there's options of doing the wrong stuff going out when you shouldn't be going out. Uh, your diet. There's all sorts of things that you sort of have to just sort of be disciplined with, because if you're at home. You might have somebody say, don't do that. You're not supposed to be doing that. And sort of give you a heads up. But when you're by yourself, uh, you sort of have to do that yourself. So just the discipline aspect, I think, is the most important. Bit. And how did you work on that? That probably was drilled into from a young age when you moved away. You had to find that to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's drilled in at a young age. And it's sort of just... Because you look at it, like you can, there's obviously all, all pathways in life that can lead you down the wrong way. And if you don't do the right thing, I think everyone knows... Uh, the right thing so if you don't do the right thing you're going to be in a in an awful situation so uh, yeah perfect we're nearly we're nearly we're nearly there now nearly there now don't worry don't worry what uh, what, what motivates you then Um, to be honest doing well for my family and my friends I sort of I just want to sort of make people proud of me that's that's probably that's probably my biggest motivation to be honest I got absolute crazy answers for this now before. Crazy answers. So I'm going to throw it to you and I can, I can chat you off here about the answers I got. What are two non-negotiable for <laughs> okay. On a daily basis. In what aspect? Yeah, non-negotiables, like on a daily uh, basis, like what, what you do, what you have to do every day. Um. Okay, I have to do every day. Well, I have to talk to my girlfriend or she kill me. Uh <laughs> So I call call my girlfriend for and I talk to my parents, talk to talk to my family and friends. We won non negotiable, and the second one I'd say, um, just just to at some part of the day have a laugh because you can't be you can't be miserable every day all day. So if I if I have a laugh in some some in some sort of aspect of any way of the of the day, I'm happy. Do you have any like superstitions or anything like that? No, I don't. No, thank God I don't. Because I see some of the boys that have some crazy ones. They have to put their left boot on before their right boot or stuff yeah. like that. I'm just looking at them like, yeah. No, that, that, that's not me, thank God. Yeah, that is one of the, the non-negotiables I, I heard. And so I was like, oh, but like it has to be left sock, left boot. Like left sock, left shoe. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how these people do this, but uh, it, listen, that's that's what they do anyway. So if it works for them, it works for them. True. Yeah. True. True. Is leaving a legacy important for you? Down the line, it's probably hard to answer. No, it's probably something maybe down the line you probably look at more. To be honest, yeah. To be honest, I haven't thought of that. To be honest, I think you you, you do well. That's that's gonna happen, but. Uh, yeah, no, I wouldn't be. That's not a priority of mine, to be honest. I think if if I'm older, I might think about maybe more. But at this age, no, I've no, I don't, I don't feel like I have to leave a legacy or anything now. No, definitely. I think it's a matter of just playing what's in front of you, you know, and and you know, control. The exactly. I think. I think if you control the controllables, all this stuff sort of take care takes care of itself. Especially would have been if you wanted to sort of have a legacy in some aspect in any aspect if you do well that happens if you don't then it doesn't so if you can if you can control what you can control everything sort of takes takes care of itself last question though and it's uh, again it's probably hard to ask but you have been through a huge amount in fairness so far like so 
who has been your toughest opponent? My toughest opponent? Um, the one fella I've, I've probably admired the most was I played underage. We played Belgium a couple of years in a row. And the one player that I always thought just was just ahead of everyone was Yuri uh, Tillman, plays for Leicester right now. He was just everything about him. You could just tell he just technically, he was just tactically, he was playing pa- two passes ahead of everyone else. So he just he just read the game so much better than everyone. I think he's he's probably my toughest opponent I've ever played against. What's the what's the layout for the next couple of months now? You're at the start of the season. How long will the season um, go? So the, se- the, the season goes on till the end of October and then the playoffs happen through November. So hopefully I'm here till as long as possible to to the end. But uh, yeah, so it's just it's just get the season done and see where that takes me. Perfect. Look on on that note, then we'll we'll wrap it up because I think we we cover a nice bit. Um, I know there's you know I know the club's going through a difficult patch at the moment, but hopefully that will that will turn soon and you'll get back to to anyways. Please God, anyway, yeah, that'll be Perfect. nice. Look- Look, then, thanks very much for taking time out and coming on Inside View Podcast. I really appreciate it and best luck with everything going forward. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me. I hope you all enjoyed the interview with Dan. That is all from us on this week's podcast. Please do get in contact with the show if you'd like to contribute any way possible. You can email us info on the ball, teambuilding.com, or you can follow us on social media. Over on Instagram, it's at underscore on the ball team building. Over on Facebook, it's on the ball team building. Over on Twitter, it's at we're on the ball two. That is digit two. We're on TikTok, on the ball team building. And we're also on LinkedIn, on the ball team building. Have a lovely week and be sure to tune in again next week. We have another exciting guest. Till then, stay safe and remember, cred on fan. Talk to you all soon and thank you all for listening.